Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Yes, today we're talking about immune system, but also we're talking about how to communicate with people that you might have a challenge with. This weekend, I had an amazing, amazing time at a friend's ranch up in Santa Barbara, and uh, we had this couple that show up, and they were wearing masks. And, you know, there's about like seven, eight people there without masks. And it was interesting to see the dance. You know, the mask would come down when there was a glass of wine brought up, and then the mask would go back up. And then the the nose would be exposed, and during talking, the mask would slip down below, and then they'd move the mask up, and then they'd slip it down. And then after about a half hour, the mask would come off completely, and then we didn't even see the masks. So it's really the mindset. Uh, do you keep the mask on because you're afraid of a virus? You know, what is the reality of that? And And so here, I just... I just w- want to read this one um, comment. Okay. Uh, quote, ignorance is not bliss. Yesterday, I filled up my car, went in to pay. The man behind the elevated counter, uh, no mask, but had two pieces of plexiglass with gap in front of him. I told him the number of pump. He said, you're not wearing a mask, and I'm too tired to argue. So I moved to prepare my scarf from the neck position to cover my nose like a bandito. I shoved my card and done. Scarf release, back to the neck, and they're out of there pretty darn quick. The shop was empty, and I so wanted to educate him, but obviously another sheep has been watching the BBC. I I had to read that because how many times have you gone into the store and and a person outside won't be wearing a mask, then you're close, and they put on – I mean, there's no logic to it. Um, well, no, that, that if the radio show gets shut down, it's going to be on Dr. B VIP. Our Facebook, YouTube, everything, as long as those are going, fantastic. But we are starting a new site, Dr. B VIP. So all this data I give on the radio show will be on our site. It costs two ninety seven a month, but that way you get all the PowerPoints, and you can download this because I'm literally reading from the PowerPoints when I'm doing this show. You can also join Extreme Health Academy. But let's get back to talking about people that are living in a state of fear. And so I asked this guy, I said, you know, what do you, what do you think is going on? And he said, well, this is, this is what happens. You know, one person can get infected, and then they can infect other people, two people, and then those two people can infect four people, and then four people can infect eight. And it's transferred by, it could be transferred by aerosols, could be transferred by touch, could be all of this stuff. And, and that we have to do this to stop um, the hospitals from being overwhelmed. Okay, so I said, well, that's not how human beings work. And, and that's the impetus of this talk. It, because people are reacting out of things that are illogical. For one, if somebody is infecting two people, one person infects two, why don't, don't they infect five or 15? Well, for one, you have to have a susceptible host. See, when you sneeze or cough or, or do something, um, a virus has to find sick tissue in order to grow. So it needs to find a sick individual. So you've got to have a, a susceptible individual. That means that one person cannot infect two, and those two cannot infect four. You have to look at susceptibility. And, and when we look at the current virus, we had a good example okay, of what 
um, of, of how the virus works. It was called the Diamond Princess, and this is way, way back in uh, February. And there were 3,711 people on board. Okay, they had a 19% effective rate. Now, now think of this. They're enclosed. They're all eating the same food. They're, they're not social distancing, um, most of the crews. They're breathing the same air. They have the same central air conditioning, everything. And in cruise ships, if you've ever been on them, they have a predominantly older crew now, or older group. Now, of this, uh, 3,711 people, seven people died. Okay, now that's a 0.18% chance of dying, okay, out of that whole group. So, but then you might say, doesn't that mean that there were 3,704 people that lived? And you'd be absolutely right. Now, what we know now in retrospect, because hindsight's 2020, is that 80% of the time when you get um, this coronavirus, uh, that you have little to no symptoms. That means getting the flu itself or the coronavirus itself, 80% of the time, you have a mild to no symptoms. That means that your immune system will cover it. Now, coronavirus, this COVID-19, is a unique virus, just like the flu virus is unique every year. And so, so viruses always are adapting and changing. And this is how your immune system works. Now, of that Diamond Princess group, um, six of the seven people that died were in 70 to 79 age group. One person, the 80 to 89 age group, died. Now, there were 1,115 people in that 70 to 79 age group. So now, in that group, and this, was, this is like a microcosm of what happened to our, our country, that 94% of everybody that has died with this virus had a comorbid condition. Uh, so that means they had an average of 2.6 comorbid conditions. Now, 80% of everybody in our population that gets it recovers with no symptoms. So you literally have a 99.5% chance of recovering from this, even if you have a comorbid condition. So, so the panic is, is um, way beyond the reality here. And, and so that's what I was talking to this guy this past weekend on, is that one person infect another, infect another. No, there's an underlying aspect of the immune system. And this is that mystical thing that nobody on air, on air in the media is talking about because they have to keep that panic generated um, in order to, to have everyone give it their bodily autonomy. So, so we knew in February that this affects older people, uh, that when you reach about 19%, because they did the um, a test rate, and, and they, they said that, look, 19% of the people on board had been infected, and then that stopped it. And that's how all flus and colds and viruses do in our population. They infect people that are infectable. They're called susceptibles. They don't infect healthy people. So we know that. Even back on the study back in 1918, where they tried to infect people, they had 100 healthy sailors, and they tried to run a, uh, inoculate their eyes with, with sputum culture. They put it down their throats. They rubbed it in their noses, and they couldn't infect a healthy person. We know that. And, I mean, known that for 120 years. 
<clears throat> so when you look at the uh, the hypothesis or the germ theory um, that that one person's going to infect two, two are going to infect four, four infect eight, eventually the hospitals are going to be overwhelmed. So you have to wear a mask. You have to um, close your business. You have to stop social gatherings because we have to slow the curves in order to not overwhelm the hospitals. Okay, you've heard that before. Now no one's saying flatten the curve. Okay, they're saying you must do it to prevent infection. Really, an infection where 80% have mild to no symptoms, an infection that you have a 99% plus recovery rate, even if you have comorbid conditions. But if you're 60 years old or under and you have no comorbid conditions, you have like a 99.98% chance of not dying. <laughs> so you have a minuscule risk. So why are you going to increase the deaths of despair, the stress, the anxiety, have your kids not um, go to school, um, lose your job because you're now considered non-essential? And I just heard from some of our patients that came from another state that they're closing the campgrounds again. Really? And, and I'm talking to you from California. So we have an uh, Emperor Governor Newsom or Emperor Newsom, and he is making decisions not based in science, not based on protection, just based on random chance. I mean, you know, can you imagine sitting, you know, rolling dice? I don't know. Let's open the, the beaches, but let's make sure that nobody lays a towel down. What, what is that? Uh, and so now we also know the World Health Organization has um, – told them that no, or, or now they're saying, no lockdowns. Lockdowns are more harmful than they're good. Lockdowns are no good. They're not good for you. But and despite that there's some states that have never locked down, some states have never locked down, and they have less of an infectious rate than the states that have locked down, despite, despite the facts of that and despite the devastating economic effects of shutting down the economy and shutting down the schools with absolutely no basis in science, they still do it. Why? Um, and this is what we're going to talk about tonight. They're shutting this stuff down because they need to maintain, maintain the panic. Now, you might say, well, why are they doing that? Why would... Anyone need to maintain a panic? Well, here, I'm looking it up right now because there's six um, criteria, six criteria that, that have to be used to, um, well, uh, let's just say that there was a vaccination program, okay, and you wanted to force people to take that vaccine, well, what's going to happen is you need to maintain the integrity of fear. And, and this is what they came up with. Now, the real reason, the real reason for shutting down the economy to, to change, I mean, pretty much our world, it's called the Great Reset. Now, what this is, and they're, they're actually no longer conspiracy theory. The World Economic Forum and, uh, actually brought this up. Um, in order to, and, and you'll figure there's a global debt, it's not just our national debt, but every country has been in deeply in debt. And we're talking that Greece was going to default, if Greece defaulted, the Deutsche Bank would fail, 
So we're looking at multiple countries around the world that owe a tremendous amount more money than they're taking in. So what you do in order to get that working, you have to reduce either products or services or print more money because you have to create less value. So that means that everything that you have uh, is, particularly if you're printing a huge amount of money, creating products and services, you're actually um, producing wealth. You're producing something that's, that's saleable. So you have to reduce products and services. And then if you can couple that by printing more money, then the value of the money goes down. That means the $27 trillion that America owes that will never get paid off because of the decades of deficit spending, that, that whole thing there, it will never be paid off. So what you do is you cause massive inflation so that $27 trillion doesn't have the same value. It'll, it'll be $27 trillion, but it won't have the same value. It's kind of like a dollar in 1940 could get you a hamburger and a Coke and a fry. A dollar today... Um, would would pay the tax on the hamburger, french fry, and Coke. So the main big deal for the reset is to change the econ- economy for forever. Also, population control. Now, what I mean by that is it removes a, a bodily autonomy. So it changes your body's ability or, or your ability to make decisions for your body. Now, why would this be of advantage? Well, for one, if this corona vaccine works as good as it's supposed to, like they say 94% of the time, they're doing that test on 100 people. Now, there were 30,000 people in some of the tests, um, and they're vaccinating some and vaccinating others. Usually they're using an MMR. They're not doing a true placebo. Um, And then they're seeing their immune system response. Now, if it works as good as the flu shot, Okay, which means it'll mount some antibody response. But how many people do you know got the flu shot and got some effect or side effect or got sick? So the flu shot does not work really well. And if you're over 60, it doesn't work really well at all. And what's unusual is this flu affects people that are older. Uh, They are are affecting the majority of people that have died from this. And it's not two or 300,000. The CDC refigured their numbers and... If you had a heart attack, if you had a stroke, and you had two rounds of failed chemotherapy, and you died, but you also tested positive, then you died of COVID. And they've been working those numbers for a long time. So we know that there is a a big challenge with the accurate death count. So to make mandatory vaccinations, now think of this. You're talking trillions and trillions of dollars, because it's not going to be this year. There is no way they're going to say, okay, yeah, we have a mandatory COVID vaccine that was rushed to market. Uh, We only had two months of study. And then the placebo group, we vaccinated that placebo after the two-month-long study because we don't want anyone to do a long-term study on this. So that should make you think there's something shady anyway. But this removes bodily autonomy for forever. If you're going to submit to a forced vaccine now, this is going to be the adult vaccines for forever that means that you're going to have to get the 14 different adult vaccines. Now, this is not a slippery slope. This is what happened to the childhood vaccines, particularly when you removed the liability and the ability to choose for yourself. 
Also, we know that there have been tons of lawsuits in Africa, Asia, uh, the Philippines, and they were brought, a lot of them, by the Catholic Church on how there's anti-fertility effects of the vaccines, where they're actually mixing um, some female hormones in there to cause infertility. And it's been known in the HPV and the tetanus and the H1N1, all of those had anti-fertility um, purposes of it. So what's the, what, why are they keeping this panic going? It's the great reset to cause inflation and devalue the national debt. Population control to actually make you lock in steps. So it's not just this year, it's for every year for the rest of your life. So that's huge. Why? Because the big pharma companies actually support our government and they control the media. So this is a huge windfall. And it's not just the adult vaccines. Eventually, they're going to require you to have your blood pressure, if your blood pressure is too high, or medications, because they've actually working on the technology that if you take a medication, it's going to send a signal to the pharmacist to know that you've taken that medication. It's also eliminating small businesses, and that's another with the Great Reset. Um, the reason, because small businesses are harder to control, the number of independent businesses, instead of Walmart or Target or uh, you know Costco, those are giant corporations. And they're also large corporations have give better campaign contributions. And they're easier for regulation. And they have less independence. So, so this way, that's centralization. And this is just what uh, Germany did back in World War II. So this is not something new. It's been done before. I mean, if, you, if you're looking at now, and there's a couple of um, bombshells coming out, one of them from Green Medical Info, uh, and it's greenmedinfo.com. Uh, they've been wiped out, I think, of most of YouTube and I think of Facebook, but they have got some fantastic data. The title of this article is COVID-19 Vaccine Bombshell. FDA documents reveal death plus 21 serious conditions as positive outcomes. Now, in the news media, okay, you're getting, wow, 94% effective, 94% effective. Uh, what does that mean? Does that mean that the 30,000 participants, uh, that the 15,000 that got the vaccine and the 15,000 that got the active placebo or, you know, the other vaccine, they're not going to do a, a saline trial with a vaccine That's, that would have too much of a disparity in the control and the therapy group. See, if you're injecting someone with salt water or some innocuous substance and somebody with a neurotoxic thing that can negatively affect or activate the immune system, you're going to have a tremendous amount of differences in the side effects or effects. That's why since 2008, they've moved to active placebo testing where you test, you put something in the body. It's like a lot of times they'll do aluminum hydroxide, which is a neurotoxin. So this way, if you have the nervous system like headaches or temporary numbness or pain or, or muscle spasms from the placebo, then they know that's, that's why they want to give you a placebo. It's called an active placebo that has a known effect because if they give us uh, an innocuous placebo, something that won't have an effect on the body, it'll make the testing look worse. It's better for humans, but it's not as good if you're the manufacturer. 
And that's right, the manufacturer of this product is testing this product. Now, what they found so far is paralysis, uh, swelling of the brain, transverse myelitis, which is similar to polio, convulsion, seizures, stroke, uh, a couple of cases of death, um, myocarditis or inflammation of the heart, autoimmune disorders. Interesting, because we're seeing autoimmune disorders after just a couple of months, when typically it takes months to years to develop an autoimmune reaction from a vaccine. They're also looking at arthritic, arthralgic, Kawasaki's disease, and multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. And that that's going to be really common, only because um, kids, we're training them to respond with inflammation. And this means each time you inject a child, and right now kids are looking at 72 doses of 17 different vaccines, each time you get a shot, it triggers an inflammatory response. So this is why we have inflammatory brain diseases, you know, autism, anxiety, ADD. We have inflammatory bowel diseases and, um, you know, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease. Um, we have inflammatory lung diseases or, or um, asthma. So all of these, and then allergies, uh, all of these are infl inflammation or TH2 responses. Now, it's interesting. There are some groups. There's one group in Utah that has a declaration for uh, non-consent. And I totally, totally recommend you look at that. But one of the reasons they're keeping this panic up, and this is out of the New England Journal of Medicine, um, and, and here it is, because Quote, we believe that there are six substantive criteria that should be met before a state imposes a SARS-CoV-2 vaccine mandate. First is the existence of evidence that COVID-19 is inadequately controlled in the state by other measures, such as testing, contract tasting, isolation, and quarantine, indicated by sustained troubling trends in new cases, hospitalizations, or death. End of quote. So, indicated by sustained troubling trends in new cases. Now, when we know that the test they're using, the PCR test, that the developer of that test um, actually said it's not to be used for diagnostics, only, um, only research. See, the test that they're using now, it's, it's, you're making a copy of a small bit of, of a strand it's called a nucleotide. It's just a bunch of amino acids together. Now, so what they do is it's an RNA that they're looking for, a strand of RNA. So they're not looking for the whole virus. You're just looking for a piece of it. And what they do is they take the sputum culture, you know, nose, wipe your nose or your throat, <clears throat> and they put this DNA in there that has a piece of it missing, and it's the same piece that they're looking for. Now, the DNA has a little fluorescence on it. Now, you cannot see one strand of DNA. You can't see one strand of RNA. But you mix that sputum culture in with this DNA, then that attracts that little piece of RNA. And so now you can duplicate it, because you can duplicate through this PCR ch chain test is that you can start copying this. So one copy turns into two copies, two to four, four to eight, eight to 16. Okay, and so this way you can copy it. Now, if you copy it tenfold, okay, then you start to see enough of the product to where you can measure it. 
The problem is when you copy beyond 25 times, um, you're getting a smaller and smaller and smaller segment. You just keep duplicating it. So after 25 times, you have less of a viable virus. So you need a lot of virus in there to show a positive amount. But if you have to copy it more than 25 times, then you're, you, you could have had some part of your DNA that is similar. You could have got a flu shot last year that had some of that DNA. I mean, there's a, a whole bunch of things. That's why it's not used for diagnostics. It's supposed to be used for research. So it cannot show you, cannot show you, cannot show you that you're infectious. Okay, it can show that you have some bit of a protein strand, but that is not the full virus. Um, so we know that the, that the test is bogus. Now, if you copy it 30 times, you're having less and less and less of that protein there that could be viable. In fact, over 30 replications, you have virtually no viral material that can grow. Now, at 35 cycles, that's when you start to get to the weird part because the way Carrie Mullis described it is anybody can be positive for anything if you duplicate it enough because you're looking for smaller and smaller and rarer and rarer strands of this DNA. So you figure you've got to keep copying it um, to get smaller and smaller bits of proteins because you're just looking for a protein sequence. You're not looking for a part of the virus, just a protein sequence. <clears throat> America typically stops the copying at 40 cycles. So it's called a cycle threshold, and that means that when you hear a test, you have a 97% chance that that test is false positive. So when you see cases arising, cases arising, cases arising, ask yourself, um, what was the cycle threshold? Was it 10 or 15, which if you can see it then, there's a lot of viral particles. If you want to actually do this, to where you can copy the virus, and um, you, you know you actually have a, a real infectious, then you'd stop the copying at like 10 or 15 cycles. So there had to be a lot of virus to do that. But if you want to create a panic, you're going to copy it 40 times, so that way 97% of the tests are not positive. So let's go back to the New England Journal of Medicine. Number one criteria, it's not adequately contained. Number two, um, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices has recommended the vaccine for the groups which it's considered to be mandated. Now, this is a group of doctors that are completely in the pocket of the pharmaceutical industry. In fact, a lot of them are vaccine manufacturers. So you're, again, you're asking Boeing to check their own planes. You're asking the car manufacturers to check any accidents. But, you know, Whatever. So first, it's not adequately contained, and then the advisory committee advises you to use it. Then there has to be a sufficient vaccine supply to cover the population for groups which it's recommended. And then the available evidence and safety and efficacy of the vaccine has been transparently communicated. Well, now that is a criteria that's unusual. For one, safety, how can you determine safety of a brand new vaccine that has to be held at a negative 70 degrees centigrade. Negative 70 degrees. So this thing is, is like encased in liquid nitrogen because it breaks down. And then you have to thaw it out in order to inject it in the person. Once you thaw it out, um, it can stay stable for between five and six days. 
not many people have a 70 degree centigrade or negative centigrade, 70 degrees centigrade freezer. And now this vaccine, you inject it, it's supposed to get inside of your cell and bind your DNA to start changing protein production. Now the vaccines, Moderna and Pfizer, are not designed to prevent an infection. They're designed to reduce the symptoms. Did you get that? It's not designed to prevent an infection. It's designed to reduce the symptoms. Now this is symptom of a virus that has a 99% recovery rate, okay, no matter what your health state is, and an 80% chance of you developing it with little or no symptoms. Now, there are no long-term studies on this, and it will be mandated, okay? But that's only the first four criteria. The first four, it's not adequately contained in the state because of the testing anomalies. Uh, the government recommends it. There's enough of it. Safety and efficacy has been established. <laughs> the state has created infrastructure to vaccinate everyone without financial barriers. And in a time-limited evaluation, voluntary uptake of the vaccine must be high priority. So they have to allow a time where people are voluntarily going to take this experimental rush-to-vaccine or rush-to-market vaccine with no product liability. Okay, yeah. Okay, if you want to take it, um, just put your mask on. But if you're thinking that this is the only way to get back to normal, understand this is the first of two doses. It has never been studied beyond two months, and it has never been studied at the varied population. Okay, this is a dangerous, dangerous circumstance for a disease that has more than a 99% recovery rate and an 80% chance that when you get this disease, you don't get sick. This Dr. John Bergman, all this stuff will be placed um, on YouTube and Facebook tonight. Please join us and get to the Dr. B VIP site so you can share it. God bless you. I love you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.